Please don't hump my lamb. Dude, I am seven fingers in the Jim Beam. Get the fucking chili hot dog out of my face. Your next comedian coming to the stage. He's so funny. He's such a hoot. And making yeah, sure let me shove this well. baby out of my out of my juiced up jibs and then stoner and the fat man. Fuck you, Mark. Mark, pull up, everybody. <laughs> Hello, folks, and welcome back to another Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. I'm the host, Mark Poulos, as always. It's good to have you back. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking Last Comic Standing. It is uh, back for, I think, its eighth season right now. Uh, It was off the air for four years, which I didn't even realize, uh... I just assumed it came out every year, and I just didn't notice. Um, I went back and did a little research for this podcast, and uh, I didn't even realize like who the last three winners were. I didn't even know who they were. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I used to bang on Last Comic Standing a lot when I when it first came out, and I think it was mostly just for the fact that. Uh, that I never got to be on it, you know. I was never in the right place at the right time when they were taping it or doing the auditions, so it'd be easy enough just to bang on it. And uh, it was an interesting show because I believe year one was like the only year out of all of them that it, it was actually real at the beginning like they actually went out and they did it like american idol where tons of people waited in line and and they took the best comics that they could find and and put them on the show but the problem with last comic standing as it relates to american idol is you can find somebody that's like a waiter or a waitress or like a bus driver that has like this raw untapped singing talent but it's it's quite a bit different for stand-up comedy because at least for this show from what I've watched you really have to have a lot of material to sustain yourself through the competition like you can't just have like 10 good minutes and assume that you're gonna make it to the finals you know And it was pretty exciting the first year because a good friend of mine and a fellow Minneapolis comic was on the show, Dave Mordahl, and that really made his career. Like, he parlayed that into so much other stuff, but that's, like, what it is. is like, if you're a comic like Dave who's very hardworking and smart about his career, like, he could take, like, a small thing like that and just, like use it as such a big thing in his career and a lot of people tell me that like I just I'm I'm so focused on like what my career is right now that if I could just get that one break where I'd be on some reality show or you know Conan or or you know the Tonight Show or something like that that man I would I would use that so to my advantage because there's tons of 
friends of mine that have been on like six or seven television programs and it's done nothing for their career because I don't think that they're using it the correct way but so the the problem with Last Comic Standing started even in the first season so uh, I will preface this podcast to say that uh, this is all conjecture because I don't have any solid facts to back it up. I only have a few solid facts to back up, but it's all hearsay. I'm a big fan of people's court, so it's it's all hearsay. It's stuff I heard from other people, and who knows if they are got the right information or not. So, But in season one, uh, Dat Fan won, who... Uh, was a uh, uh, Asian kid from San Diego. And if you ever watched season one, I think we can all agree that he was not the funniest guy on that season. I mean, it's just ridiculous to even think that. With, uh, you know, Rich Voss was on there and uh, Ralphie May and Dave Mordahl, and Sean Kent. I mean, these guys are like national touring big comedians, and where the hell is that fan now? So what I heard about season one was that halfway through the season, uh, Fox was trying to maneuver a deal with that fan to do... Um, some kind of like Asian sitcom because I guess there never had been one or I don't know. So NBC found out about that and they decided, well, if Dat Fan wins, we won't even have to pay him the prize money because Fox will buy out the contract and and that's kind of how it went down. So when it got to be Dave Mordahl versus Dat Fan... If you go back and watch that battle, uh, you can tell that they added laughter to Dad Fan's set. And it was just disgusting to watch because it's like, Dave won. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's no situation on earth where Dad Fan would beat Dave Mordahl in a heads up stand up comedy competition. I mean, it's just, uh, it's not going to happen. So, I mean, go watch Dave Mordahl on YouTube and, and go watch Dad Fan on YouTube. I mean, it's not even a close competition. So it was a little, it was a little hard to watch. So then, in season two, they decided, like, that we need to get our ratings up. So what we're going to do is we're going to cast the show with comedians that are like right on the edge of becoming famous people that are huge names on the comedy circuit but like the average person wouldn't really know who they were you know like john heffron and alonzo bowden and kathleen madigan like if you weren't a huge comedy fan like you wouldn't nobody would know who these people are and the problem with season two and for the rest of the show up until they 
decided to not do the man on the street stuff before the show started was after season one the show the show has been cast every year since then they make it seem like air quotes that they're doing auditions to try to find the 10 comedians that are going to be competing on the television show but in reality the 10 comedians that you see competing in the finals on last comic standing they're cast way before they even do the auditions they're like these are the 10 people that are going to be on the show and we need to mix in some other just random people and it is like i used to be really upset at that because i felt like it was I felt like it was bullshit, you know? Like, why are we pretending to have auditions when the ten people are already picked? But, you know, this year I kind of had a different point of view about it, you know, because, you know, mostly it's because of where I am in my life where I'm trying to be a lot more positive and not, you know, shit on everything and and look at things as a, as a blessing. And, and the thing I noticed this year, like with a different mentality is like those beginning parts of the show where they go to different cities and they, they spotlight like 20 comedians from each city. Like they're getting opportunities to be on NBC that they wouldn't have had if last comic standing didn't exist. So it's like really good friends of mine, like Tommy Ryman and Tracy Ashley and Pete Lee, you know, they've, they've been spotlighted on NBC a ton, you know, maybe they're not going to the finals, but you know, that exposure on television is only going to help their career. And, you know, I just, I hope sometime, you know, like for a long time, I used to like hope that the show would die and not come back because mostly because I would never get to be on it. So why should all these other people get to be on it? And not me. And like my mentality has changed. I hope it does really well this year. And I hope it comes back next year and the year after. Because, you know, if those people, you know, friends of mine ha- had the ability to be on there, like, I feel like I'll, I'll have my chance soon enough, you know. So I get I get the beginning stuff. But the problem I had with the man on the street stuff, and I think it's the same with, like, any of these competition shows where it's like, so you think you can dance and... American Idol and X Factor and stuff is like they'll pull the idiots out of the crowd to audition so everybody can laugh at them and then uh, I heard some stories about people that were trying to audition for Last Comic Standing in Minneapolis and they had auditions in February and they made everybody stand outside in line for like two or three hours and then they did all of the uh, invite only auditions which is another thing like they used to have, you know, just everybody and their brother, like, waiting in line outside to audition for Last Comic Standing. Like, they're really going to get on the show. Just some guy that's had zero training in stand-up comedy is going to somehow make it to the onto the show and, and the fun. Like, listen, anybody can be funny for, like, 30 seconds. But comedy is so different from music because comedy you really need to practice you need training like you need to do shows to learn your craft 
and just some guy that's funny with his buddies is not going to be a prolific stand-up comic right off the street. It's just not going to happen. So it was kind of... It was kind of that, that I wasn't able to be on the show, and the fact that they were kind of, you know, uh, playing with my intelligence, that I would really believe that, you know, a police officer just came in off the street, and now he's an amazing stand-up comic, just with no training whatsoever. He's just so funny that he's on the show, you know, it's like... So what they did is people stood out in line for like two or three hours, and then... They did the invite-only auditions, which were, uh, like, comedians that were under management and uh, were, like, in good with the the comedy clubs that they were doing the auditions. They would actually get a call time where they didn't even have to wait in line. They would just drive up and go in and audition and then leave. So when they got finished with those and they got all the footage they wanted of the idiots standing in line and all that kind of stuff, they would walk out and say okay, we've got everybody we need, thanks. And then everybody would just have to leave, even though they stood out in line for like three hours. And I heard other stories of like San Francisco where people stood out in line for like two hours and they didn't even look at one random person that was waiting in line. Like they just did all the invite-only auditions, got all the footage of the idiots standing in line, and then just called it off like they didn't even take anybody off the street which i find really sickening so then they uh they would just do these <coughs> fake auditions all over the country like somehow somehow these random people were going to get on the show and it was just all bullshit and and it was kind of it was hard to watch you know Because it's like, you spend so much of your career, like, really working at this craft and stuff. And some guy dressed up like a gorilla and a guy dressed up like a robot are getting on the show. And you don't even get, like, two or three minutes on there. So, it was rough. And I think think the time that I stopped watching was uh, the year that John Reap won. Because... I was doing a week of shows in uh, uh, Arizona with this guy. And apparently he was... Because uh, that's another thing. is like the 10 comics that make it to the finals. Um, this manager guy from Los Angeles, his name is Barry Katz. He manages tons of comedians. And he's also affiliated with the producers of Last Comic Standing... So the majority of the final 10 comedians are guys that he's representing. So it's like kind of a conflict of interest there. But uh, when I stopped watching, I was working with this guy in Arizona, and uh, we were talking last comic standing, and he said something like, man, it's, it's, it's cool that John Reap's going to be able to win this year because he really needs a push in his career. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, oh, the... The whole thing's already been written out. John Reap's going to win this year. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, dude, the whole thing is, like, scripted. So, I mean, they made the decision a long time ago that he was going to be a good, uh, like, mouthpiece for the show and, you know, whatever they say, like, uh, 
ambassador for last comic standing like he's funny enough to carry the show on his back and he'll go and and tour and sell out places and say last comic standing all the time and and it's going to be a huge push for the show and i was like god that is sickening that it's not even kind of real so that's when i stopped watching because i was like what the hell's the point for me anyways you know like the common person it's probably a very entertaining show you know these are comedians that you've never seen before and and they're all very funny you know they're all being managed by big people in los angeles and i mean this year it's like you know jimmy schubert who's been in comedy for like 30 years he was actually part of the outlaw crew for sam kinnison and such a great guy. I mean, if they've decided that he's going to be the ambassador for Last Comic Standing this year and win the whole thing, thank God, because he is a cool guy and he's really funny, so I hope I hope it works out for him. But, you know, I think with any reality television show, you have to read the fine print because... Anytime the credits roll on a reality show or a reality competition show, if you look at the final like credits that come up on the screen, it always says at the end that the producers of the reality show have final say as to who stays and who goes. So it's like... Which I don't understand if people are voting like on the computer or over their phone for the people on the show like are they juking the numbers or something like that or i mean i couldn't understand how they could do it on like dancing with the stars because it's a combination of the judges score and the phone score so somehow they could adjust the judges score to keep somebody there but you know in reality, we don't really even see the results of the phone thing. You know, if you think about that, they're like, all right, the three lowest numbers were these three groups. And I know a lot of people are like, you watch Dancing with the Stars? No, I don't watch Dancing with the Stars. But my mom watches Dancing with the Stars, and I have been forced to watch it with her once or twice, okay? It's a weird-ass show. I don't get it, but people love it. It's in its, like, 400th season, and now every time that they release the cast for Dancing with the Stars, it's this big-ass thing on Good Morning America, like they're, like, releasing the nominees for the Academy Awards or some bullshit, but if you think about that, American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, X Factor, all this kind of stuff. Like, they have uh, phone voting, but we never see those results. We just take it on face value that they're telling us the real results. And you shouldn't believe that, because they're not. They're manufacturing the show to get ratings. Number one. The guy who... uh, who came in second place in X Factor last year, who's a comedian, I was listening to an interview he was doing, and he said, uh, like, he had some banter with the judges, and then the producers were like, oh, we like that, so we're going to do more of that. And he's like, what, the spontaneous banter that I had with the judges? Like, 
you want me to like write stuff and they're like yeah yeah write stuff that we're gonna give you extra time after your your set so you can banter back and forth with the judges because we think it's really funny and he's like okay so he had to like anticipate what their questions would be and like write all these lines and it's just like it's television you know if you think any of these reality shows and contest shows are real you are out of your effing mind okay it is all manufactured i remember seeing a story in the news a while back about one of these uh the housewives shows i think it was new jersey or something and they literally cut three or four of the housewives off the show because there wasn't enough drama in their lives that their lives were just boring so they even though people liked them and they liked watching their story they cut them off the show because they weren't yelling with people enough or punching them in the face enough or being outrageous at restaurants with their friends it's like just sickening you know but this is the culture we live in now it's all reality television and it's just getting so specific now you know it's like uh let's let's watch the lives of alaskan loggers you know it's like let's watch the the pest killer guy from atlanta it's like what are we doing here i mean but uh I mean, I think we all, if you ever watched Last Comic Standing, there was a season, I don't remember if it was like three or four, but the judges were like uh, Drew Carey, Brett Butler, and somebody else. But they were told that um, in the semifinals, after everybody did their their sets, that those three comedians we're going to be deciding what who the top 10 in the show would be. So all three of them wrote down the 10 comedians that they felt like should be in the top 10. And they handed it in, and, and I guess they were all relatively unanimous on the top 10. Some were a little different than others. So then they started announcing the top 10 comedians... And, like, hardly any of them were the people that they chose. So they got all pissed off, and they stormed off the stage, and they were like, you know, like, what the hell is going on here? And I commend NBC for actually showing the footage of them getting pissed off and everything. You know, they could have edited it together to make it seem like these were the ten people that they picked, but they were ticked off, and I would have been too, because they got lied to. They were told that they were going to pick the top 10 and it turned out that the producers of the show picked the top 10 who were pretty much managing the 10 comedians that were in the top 10. So, you know, it's just a lot of shenanigans, you know, and this year I was like, I watched a little bit of it because a lot of my friends were on there, um, guys that, uh, I've worked with and guys that I've uh, established friendships with and I was, you know, trying to turn over a new leaf and be really happy for them. And I was, man. It was so cool to see them do the show and, and just knock it out of the park. You know, it just makes me hope that someday I can be on there and that way I can stop 
getting idiots coming up to me after comedy shows going, hey, you know that uh, last comic standing thing? You should do that. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, okay. Next year I'll just head down there and uh, I'll be like, okay, guys, I'm ready. So put me on last comic standing. Thanks. Like people think it's that easy that we just got to drive over to the NBC studios and be like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do this. I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting you know, six, six, seven years, but I'm ready for this now, you know, it's just ridiculous, but I was watching it, and they had the, so the semifinals were broken down into, uh, I think it was two groups of 14, and then 10 of those 14 were going to the finals, so it was like two shows, each show had 14 comedians on it, and of those 14, five were going to go from each show. So I was watching it, and they had celebrity celebrity uh, mentors. And I, I couldn't laugh hard enough watching Wanda Sykes and Amy Schumer trying to tell Jimmy Schubert how to do his act. <laughs> he must have been inside just rolling his eyes like, listen, when you both were babies i was killing it on the road with uh with sam kinnison so go shut your holes you know so <clears throat> i'm watching it like you know maybe things have changed so on that show they spotlighted five comedians and showed like interviews with them and extended sets and all that stuff those five comics were the five comics that they picked it's like Come on, NBC. I mean, what the hell are we doing? You know? It's like there was a small clip, Tommy Ryman, small clip, Tracy Ashley, and then a 20-minute clip of Jimmy Schubert, and then a commercial break. And that's how it went, like, the whole show, and those five comics moved on, and I was like, well, that... Thanks for making it seem like there was a chance that it wasn't going to be those five people, you know. It's just sickening, man. Like, I I don't know, man. I get the purpose of the show, and I understand the beginning part of it now, that they're giving opportunities for young comedians to be seen on NBC and stuff. I just, it's hard, it's hard to get on board with them pretending that it's an actual competition when they know before they even start filming who the top 10 comedians are going to be going up against each other i mean i don't know how how else you could form it or write it you know like i don't know like have 10 shows where they're spotlighting all these new comedians and then the final comic that comes up is like the first comic that's going to be competing in the final 10 you know do it like dancing with the stars, you know, <laughs> like the first five episodes spotlight two of the 10 comedians that are going to be competing in the top 10, you know, give them like a huge boost and, and show a ton of their material. And I don't know, I'm not a writer and I don't make reality shows and I'm sure it's, it's not an exact science by any means, but it's just, 
I guess I just wish I hadn't seen the wizard behind the curtain, as it were. Because now it's hard for me to even watch the show for like 10 minutes because I watch it for a bit and I'm like, God, this is so fake. <laughs> you know, it's like the comedians are great and, and you know, I, I should be thankful that there's even a, a prime time like platform for stand-up comedy. And, and I am, you know, I'm very happy for my friends that that were able to be on that show and were successful on that show and i just hope someday that uh you know i can get on there but i just i felt like i had to just say that stuff and get it out there because i think i think some people just don't don't know or don't realize you know and uh and I guess it really doesn't matter. Like, they probably still won't believe that Dancing with the Stars and American Idol is fake, you know. No, no, I voted ten times for Sarah and she made it to the finals. Yeah, of course she did. She's 22 and amazingly gorgeous. My, uh, my niece was actually on American Idol and she made it to the she made it to the voting like America's voting thing and uh just before she had her set on the show it came out that she had done uh a Maxim magazine thing that was kind of racy like she was in a bikini or something but like American Idol doesn't want any of their people on the show to have any kind of scandalous pictures or background out there so even though she got like thousands and thousands of votes from family and friends and we were all just voting and voting and voting she was the first one kicked off the show so that's all I know and I don't know much but I know that but, uh, you know, if you're a fan of stand-up comedy, watch the show. Give them ratings so when it comes back next year, I can be on it. And I can come back and do a podcast about how I was inside the belly of the beast. And uh, I was the first random guy off the street to make it to the top ten. That's my dream. But this has been another Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. Um, you get it on Podbean, largedrunkman.com. There's a button on the front page. You can go straight through it. I just updated uh, my tour dates. I'm doing a ton of stuff. Um, I ended up taking second place in a big contest, and a lot of cool stuff is happening in my career now that I'm excited about. So keep tuning into this because I'm going to be talking about a bunch of shit in the upcoming months. I don't know what, you know. Tune in next time when we talk about who knows.